With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala smart oven, while the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook. Just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala smart oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A.com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala.com. Absolutely delighted to join you again on a Friday. It's been a few months since I came on on a Friday to have a wee chat with you, Laura. So always a pleasure. Yes, it's it's a bit like uh, early lockdown days when I first started on the show. I know. 
We've moved on so far since then, by the way. Sometimes it was like yesterday when JP was talking about the, the water bottles getting handed out at Celtic Park. And, you know, you feel a bit down after Sunday. Of course you do, because, you know, we had a, a treble in our kind of like, in our vision. It was there and it wasn't to be um, but you just put everything into perspective and you start looking at how far we've come just not just as a football team but in life generally over the last 12 months and you know I, I would never say it's pointless I would always be disappointed but I'm totally focused on the league now totally focused Yeah, I mean I, I have to say like I've not been on since the, the Rangers game happened and although like in the immediate aftermath you're always absolutely gutted to, to lose against them like I'm about the same. If it, if it had been a league game that mattered, uh, I think I'd have been more sort of downcast about it. And actually, in some ways, you know, I, I grew up during a time where we battered Rangers time and time again and, and Andy Gorham pretty much saved their skin and you would come away thinking, you know, how have we come away with that from that with nothing? And, and in some ways, to me, that's worse than what we got last Sunday, which was just kind of... Uh, a lack of performance all round, which you know it's not pleasing to see either. But it's it's part of the part of the ups and downs of being a Celtic supporter, I suppose. It uh, is. Somebody made a good point um, that at the time I, I did agree with, and we had a couple of bad performances against Bodo Glimt, particularly the second leg. And it's almost as if sometimes you get them out your system, and then you get back you get back into the the league campaign. And it did feel a wee bit like that. Hopefully we can get, you know, click right back in. There's no reason why we can't. You know, it's not as though uh, anything's happened that that uh, gives us any great deal of concern in terms of the team that we've got there. there. There's some other secondary concerns about, you know, how strong is your backup in a certain position. And, and that was highlighted at the weekend. But um, I'm confident, definitely not complacent, but I'm confident, and hence the, the headline, the strapling today, I'm confident we can do it in the next two games. Uh, well, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of reason to suspect so, and like you say, the, the squad and the choices available to us is something we're going to get into, but uh, before we do that, I wanted to get your thoughts on, obviously, today, for anybody who doesn't remember, is the third anniversary of the death of Billy McNeil, Caesar. Uh, I don't think I need to introduce him to anybody on, on this show. Um your thoughts, Paul, on your memories of Billy McNeil, his impact, which can't be debated at the club, and maybe even any memories of, of the time you heard when he sadly, sadly passed away? Yeah, I mean, the greatest uh, memory I've got of you know being introduced to Celtic and starting to go to the games is the centenary year, and Billy McNeil is synonymous with that. So that's the Billy McNeil that I know and obviously I have then learned retrospectively about his amazing playing career. Um, I remember Celtic uh, in his first tenure, although I wasn't old enough to understand who was who, but I do remember that Celtic team that he had with Charlie Nicholas, Paul McStay, etc. Um, in the early 80s. And then you go back and you, you understand that you know he was the greatest ever captain at Celtic Football Club arguably the greatest player. I mean, that's something you could debate forever. I know Jinky won it. Uh, some people say Jimmy McGrory's the best. Some people say even in the Lisbon Lions team, Bobby Murdoch was the best. But when you look at what was achieved and at no point, and this is one thing that's very interesting, at no point was Billy McNeil ever dropped when he played for Celtic. And the greatest players are dropped. Jimmy Johnson had bad patches. He was put into the reserves, as it was then known, um, through bad form or bad behaviour, 
and Jinky's, Jinky's part. Bobby Murdoch spent some time in the reserves. Billy McNeil never did. And I think that's, you know, when you look at the length of his career, it's testament to how important he was. And I just think that these are the people that you drive past Celtic Park on any day and it's a reminder every single time, Big Billy with the European Cup. And I think we've got a manager uh, right now who has got aspirations that would be in keeping with the great Celtic teams of the past. And every time those players drive up there, they should be reminded of the aspirations and what we've what has gone before because he was an absolute trailblazer you know first ever uh, British footballer to get his hands on that trophy um, first ever footballer actually to get his hands on that particular trophy because it was a new trophy um, and he's you know he's an absolute icon and my kids will be talking about him and their kids will be talking about him and yeah we should always pause for a wee bit of reflection on days like today I uh, had the absolute privilege to speak to him once in my life and a really, really memorable occasion. And I think that the, the bizarre thing when you look back is when he left Celtic the second time and Celtic were in a terrible, terrible mess, you know, from top to bottom, I'm just surprised he didn't go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a particularly old man at that point. Um, his failure as a manager in the last few seasons at Celtic wasn't just his fault. And I know some of the buys and some of the recruitment was poor in the latter days, but, you know, he was operating at Celtic um, in an unusual time for the club. You know, they really were uh, on the way down at that point financially and and they were being run into the ground. And I'm just surprised they never went elsewhere and managed elsewhere. I mean, I know that after they left Celtic first time rounds, he had spells at Man City and Villa, uh, but he didn't. And that, that's unusual. That's the one thing that I, I sometimes wonder about. It's 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 funny that you mention that because I um I always put him up there with you know obviously Jock Steen is the greatest manager we'll ever have, no doubt about that. Um, Willie Mealy, who we'll talk a bit more about in this later in this show, <clears throat> longest serving manager we've ever had. But but Billy McNeil, for me, kind of occupies that space that I would say only applies to a select few in Celtic history along with him. So you've got him, you've got Jimmy McGrory, you've got Neely Mockin, probably Sean Fallon as well, who, you know, served us in so many roles. You could extend that to John Clark and how he's he's been a part of Celtic history throughout his time, both on and off the pitch. And I think Billy McNeil epitomises that for me. Like when, when you say a Celtic man... Billy McNeil is that and um, I know from a from a younger person's point of view it's kind of strange for me because I can only explain it to people who are older and who were around at the time of the Lisbon Lions and, and you'll get you'll get this as well is like the Lisbon Lions and especially Billy McNeil are just names that you grew up with names that you knew before you knew that you knew them it was like it, they were synonymous. You could recite the Lisbon Lion lineup at five years old, and you know it was almost like you don't remember getting to know your family. You don't remember getting to know Celtic players. That that he's in that category, and you know three years is a long time. It's uh, 
for, for him to have been gone, but obviously seems to have flown in as well, because do you remember him being around for the unveiling of his statue in the Celtic Way? And he, was, he wasn't in a great health at that time, but, you know, just one of these guys that even when you saw him in that state, you just kind of thought he was he was going to be around forever. And in some ways he certainly is, but um, but yeah, just a, a sad reflection of the times that we're, we're three years on, but uh, memories that can't, can't be faded with time, I don't think. No, definitely not. And obviously the thoughts and prayers with his family as well, Laura. And I think Celtic Celtic are a very emotional football club. You know, you, the emotional attachment that you feel to the history and to the figures that have gone before. Um, <laughs> well, you, that's a good point because I think that there's a massive argument to be made about, uh, you know, managers, for example, some players uh, coming to the club and it's just too much for them, that emotional element. But... As a fan base, I, I do feel that we're very emotional. We're very attached to the, the history. It's not all about the here and now. That's important, of course, but we always remember our, our legends that have gone before and uh, none more so than Billy McNeil. He's right up there, isn't he? He's, no one's ever made any more appearances than him, unlikely ever to come close to the appearances he made for Celtic. And I think we'll remember him on this day every year, Laura. Yeah, I think I think you're entirely right, especially about that appearance thing. You know, even even players like Scott Brown, who served us for 14 years, you know that in itself is an anomaly in the in the in the modern day game. We've got Callum McGregor and James Forrest, who are similar long serving, but you you, you see a, a modern game in a future where that's going to be less and less common. So uh, I doubt anybody will, will surpass him. But we remember Billy, and like like Paul says, everybody acts on pass on their thoughts and prayers to his family. Um, coming back to the modern day and before we get into the team, we have another, um, some would say, loyal servant of Celtic. Others have less flattering things to say about him. Neil Lennon has been in the news again on Celtic circles. Um, I have to stress at this point that I don't speak about Neil Lennon unless he speaks about Celtic. The problem is he seems to speak about them an awful lot. And he was doing an interview with PLZ Soccer and Peter Martin over there and those guys put out great content. He was doing a, uh, <clears throat> an interview with them, ironically with the club crest of his Greek club in the background, which I thought was a bit strange, but was, was touching on the infamous last season that he had at Celtic. Um, the usual excuses came up about players not doing what they were asked to do, COVID, all the same stuff. Um, and I, I'm a little bit like... I used to get angry with it, but I'm a little bit like, you know, I just wish everybody would move on from a season that I think he and everybody at Celtic would like to forget. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on it or, or, or how you feel about the situation. Well, again, you know, for anyone who thinks let's move on, it, we talk about every single uh, nuance of Celtic and if an ex-manager is in the news and there's a few ex-Celtic managers in the news right now Matt McGee being another one but we'll come to that later maybe um, then if they talk about Celtic if there's a big interview and, and certain things are mentioned that we didn't know about then we're going to discuss it uh, and I think the difference between how we were discussing it last year and now is that you're detached from the moment and last year was very emotional. We've been talking about becoming emotionally attached. It was very emotional. Um, I don't think there was too much in the way of knee-jerk when it came to, to Neil Lennon uh, back then, but there definitely came a point where universally within the Axon team, 
I'm not going to say within the Celtic support because that was not the case. There were still people saying that, you know, we shouldn't have got rid of him. But certainly in the Axon team, universally, everybody realised it was time to go. And what I would say is that there's certain things that we find out later that have been going on at the club that there's no way you would know about because we are always outsiders. We're always on the outside looking in. It's always going to be the way. And there's loads of things, there's loads of politics that we'll never be aware of. And I think with time, I'm taking more cognizance of that because there's a wee bit of sympathy there for me when I look at certain players not doing what they're told. Is it a modern uh, football issue? Probably. I think it's probably always existed. And you had the great managers who... I remember Danny McGrain saying that if Jockstein had to tell you twice, then the chances were you weren't going to be playing for Jockstein. Mm. Because he, he would impart his knowledge and his information, his, his instructions, but it was your responsibility to do what you were told, basically. And I think when, you, when it's your manager and you've achieved a lot, as Neil Lennon had achieved a lot in the game, then the players did have to respect that. And, you know, it sounds as though every time Neil Lennon's talking about it, he's talking about certain players who just weren't doing as they were told. Now, that's going to be difficult. So I've got my sympathy. I've got my sympathies, but at the same time, there's a responsibility that needs to be taken, which I never think Neil Lennon's taken. I, I don't think he has taken his part in last season. I don't think he can be blamed in full. Absolutely not. But partly... There's a responsibility there. The recruitment was terrible. He touched on that. He, he says the recruitment was bad, and it was. And that's no hindsight. I mean, pretty early on, we had doubts about Barkas, for example. And I think there's a good point coming in for, from Paddy. Welcome to the show, Paddy. Lenny saying he wished they had big Joe Hart last season. Says what he thinks of Barkas and Bain. I thought about this a week or two ago when Joe Hart was talking about his proposed move to Celtic last season. And I, I was thinking to myself... You know, would it have made a big difference? Well, I think the goalkeeper scenario was massive. Dermot Desmond spoke about it. I mean, he, he focused on that before he focused on Dubai. He was talking about the situation with Fraser Foster. So there's loads of things that we'll never know about or we'll find out as time goes on. All I would say is I wish Neil Lennon all the best. And I'm, you know, I think what he'd done for the club as a player and as a manager, other than last season, we all respect it. And uh, I wish him all the best, and I hope that his team picks up a bit of form and he's a huge success. And uh, you know, I don't have much ill feeling about many people who have been involved in Celtic, um, and I don't have any ill feeling towards Neil Lennon. He's had his say, we've had our say uh, on Axom. Other fans will agree and disagree, but I, I wish him all the best. I do, but it's interesting. You always get more information filtering through. But I'm a bit like yourself. We don't talk about the scenario unless he talks about it because we're in a better place now yeah. we're in a far better place and we're going places it looks like we've got a direction I thought we were rudderless last season uh, we've got a direction now and the, it's night and day the feeling around the club uh, we've got a wee knock on Sunday but that's all it is yeah I think I think the Neil Lennon thing you've summed up really well there in that uh, you know my thoughts on Neil Lennon, I've been very outspoken about on this podcast and I've, I've I've had plenty to say about him, especially when he was Celtic manager. I think, like you say, time heals all wounds, as they say, and, and you become more detached from the situation. I, I, I still think there's a somewhat permanent uh, mark on on his on his reputation amongst uh, an element in the Celtic support that will take a long time to go away. But one thing that's become apparent to me is... 
that, you know, it had. At Sandy Spring Bank, we care about people, not transactions. So we concentrate on creating personalized solutions to start or grow a business that provides for your family, to purchase a home that will house the memories you make there, to save so you can enjoy today and then pass on your legacy to future generations. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank. Issues going on, I think, off the pitch that, like you say, we weren't aware of. Um, I'm sure that he wasn't the only one to blame. He can't have been the only one to blame for the way that things went. But I do remember seeing a a, a comment on Twitter under um, a tweet that Natasha Miko, uh, one of the fellow action contributors, put up. And somebody basically said, forgive me, I don't remember the name, is, you know, you touched on it there about taking responsibility. I think all he needed to do in the situation was say, listen, I didn't do my job well. Other people didn't do their job well. I think the consistent trying to find other reasons for why things went wrong that wasn't pointing the finger at himself in some element is maybe where uh, people lost their patience a bit. But like you say, I think... Everybody wishes him well. I think everybody hopes for him to have success in the future, and everybody hopes that he can be welcome back to Celtic Park at some point with the with the the reputation intact that he deserves. Because <clears throat> before we talked about him, we were talking about players who have served the club as both player and manager, who have given large chunks of their lives and their careers to the club. Neil Lennon falls into that category quite quite squarely, I think. Yeah, because the people that I'm thinking about, and you're talking two, I'm not going to say a handful, um, who I've got no time for who were involved with Celtic, two or three maybe, uh, another one's just popped into my mind. Um, Neil Lennon's nowhere near that category, and I think when you look at Seville, you know, we're almost 20 years from Seville, and I know it was a European failure ultimately, but getting to a European final, I don't think you can say is a is a ab- absolute failure. It was an amazing journey. You know, the memories that people have of that. He's part of that team. And I think that the 20th anniversary of that will undoubtedly be met with various events, etc., etc. And Neil Lennon has to be part of that. He just has to be part of it because he's a massive part of the team. So I think that between now and May next year, um, a lot of people, there's a lot of water under the bridge at that stage. And hopefully we'll be the league champions. It will be two in a row by then, hopefully. And... um, Everybody can welcome him back to whatever event or venue that uh, the Seville boys are playing at because, you know, you want to see him on a stage with the likes of Martin O'Neill, Chris Sutton, John Harson. I didn't like, you know, the fallouts. There was fallouts between teammates because some footballers go into management, some footballers go into broadcasting and those that go into broadcasting have to give an honest opinion and a credible opinion on what's going on, no matter whether or not the person they're speaking about is a pal, a teammate, etc. So there was friction there, and you just hope that all, you know, is forgotten about and everybody can move on. Yeah, I hope so, and uh, I'll certainly be partaking in whatever the celebrations are around Seville. I was uh, but a teenager when it happened, so uh, I can't quite believe it's uh, 15, uh, 20 years, I should say. Uh, I'm constantly year. reminded of my age on this show. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not intentional. It's not intentional, I swear. Um, but anyway, we'll move on from, from Neil Lennon. Oh, wish him all the best, as they said. Um, hope everything works out for him. He's now uh, he's now a manager on an international 
uh, in an international stage, following in Angie's footsteps in a lot of ways, going to manage in, in Cyprus and Greece in that area. So uh, I hope it works out for him there. Um, moving on to the running for the end of the season. Obviously, Scottish Cup exit was a disappointment, but if it's done one thing for us, it's a positive. It's quite a focus on what we need to get done. Uh, we've got five games remaining. You think we can do it in two, as you said before. Why do you think that is? Well, someone will come uh, into the comments and say it's not mathematically uh, possible to do it in two, and I get that. But I think if we win two games, the next two games, Rangers are never going to catch up on the goal difference. Uh, we're not going to fall off the edge of a cliff after the momentum that the two games would give us. Uh, and the reason for it, I remember when we seen the fixtures coming out, Ross County, I looked at that. And this isn't just based on the last game that we played up at Dingwall, which was a tough, tough encounter. And it took Tony Ralston, who's been an absolute hero this season, to pull us out of that one, right? It did, I wasn't just thinking about that. I'm just thinking there's not many comfortable games up there. There's not many comfortable three and four nothings, Laura. So I was looking at that for a, a post-split fixture, thinking that's a tough one, regardless of what happened at the weekend. Uh, you know, if we were on a 33 match unbeaten run going into that, I would have thought, tough game. And if we win it, the next one that's coming up, people say, look, there's all these cliches in football, that'll take care of itself. It doesn't. We're now at a situation where after the last Celtic Park game against Rangers... I thought we were light years ahead of them as a football team. I thought we absolutely wiped the floor with them. But this season, basically, they've beat us twice and we beat them twice. So, you know, the margins are, are quite fine. We went to Ibrox, I thought it was a great win. We did, didn't completely dominate them, so it was a brilliant win. So coming to the final fixture against Rangers, anything can happen, absolutely. Um I'd much rather uh, we clicked into gear, but I think Van Bronckhorst probably learned quite a lot from the Celtic Park game. We've seen it at Ibrox in the 2-1 match. And then at Hamden, and there was other elements to that which I'm sure we'll cover. Um, I don't think our performance was great, but I think you know we did enough um, in, the, in the game to be coming away from it pretty disappointed that we got we got beat and ultimately knocked out of the cup. And what I mean by that is obviously the the refereeing scenario was was something that was a talking point. Uh it seems to be a talking point on a regular basis in Scottish football. We weren't great, but you know, we were a we were a crossbar away from winning two nothing. Because if if we go two nothing up, we're winning the game. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple. And then you're saying what a genius Angers. He made the substitutions 10 minutes into the second half. The substitutions have worked and we win the game. Wasn't to be. That's football. But um, yeah, I think we will get back. You know, sometimes a defeat like the Bodo Glimt one, it just refocuses everything. You go into it. I'm a wee bit concerned about some of the injuries. Hopefully we'll learn more about that. And if anybody is uh, tuning into the press, or I don't know if it goes out live. That's I think maybe the, the club record it and then put it out on their YouTube. Uh, Big Tony's at the press conference on behalf of Axom. It kicks off at quarter to one. Uh, so we'll find it soon enough who's not playing at the weekend. There's a few worries. Juranovic is a worry, isn't he? I even think Beton's a worry. Um, so we'll talk all about that. Carter Vickers is a worry. We spoke about that yesterday. Yeah, well, I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because, um, you know, I... I fully appreciate what you're saying about the five games that we've got to run in and if we can get two victories in the next couple of games, you know, we stand ourselves in very good stead. For me, the the major stumbling block there is going to be this constant injury problem that seems to be happening at Celtic 
uh, Alan Morrison, Celtic by Numbers, who who contributes to the podcast sometimes, which shared an interesting stat with us in the in the chat this morning. Uh, something along the lines of that we average about five players unavailable per game, um, which you know in some some situations might not seem like an awful lot. But, I mean, five players unavailable for every game on average is a, an intense amount, considering sometimes it will be more than that. And uh, we've certainly had lists that are longer than five players for the games that we've had. I guess my question to you is, because I have been thinking this over and don't have an answer to it, is I just wonder what it is about the way that we train or the way that we manage these injuries or the way that we treat the players between games is there anything you think the club might be doing to contribute to this because there's a bit of me that thinks bad luck can only go so far but an average of five players missing per game isn't bad luck to me. Well I I found that really interesting, Alan did share that earlier this morning and another interesting thing that he shared with us is the fact that Rangers um, average half of that in terms of injuries per game this season so it shows you just how big a problem it is and I'm trying my best to look at the reasons why it why it's happened uh, without blaming Celtic because, you know, the people, the experts, the specialists within all these fields know a hell of a lot more about training and diet and regime than I do and ever will do. And I'm trying to think about that discussion we had earlier in the season where Jurgen Klopp went to Liverpool and he was known for having a really high intensity training programme, a regime which ultimately left a lot of injured Liverpool players in the early part of Jurgen Klopp's tenure there. I think it took until December before their bodies got up to speed. I think there's been an element of that here at Celtic, and I'm not comparing Ange with with Jurgen Klopp. I just think that there is that similar approach to the training. Uh, You play the training at the same intensity that you play the games, and therefore the players that he inherited had to adapt to that and it's taken a while and we've had some long-term injury problems anyway to contend with with the likes of uh, you know, Chris Julian, James Forrest, etc. But then on top of it, the, the vast majority of the players that we brought into freshness squad up in January um, had already played a lot of football. So I think that although maybe if they'd come in after a pre-season, maybe they would have adapted quicker to the regime, it could well be that they're just absolutely done in. And I think Hatati alluded to that uh, mm-hmm. in the interview that he gave to the, the Japanese press as well. That it was, uh, I think it was translated by Dan Horowitz. And he was talking about the fact that that, that is the case. So um, a big part, and again, you're looking at Matt O'Reilly, who I think has been a revelation uh, since he came in. But is he used to the intensity? Because, you know, remember, it wasn't that long ago that he was out the game for six months. Um, and then he's he's... You know, he's been playing at a kind of lower level down in England. It comes to Celtic and the intensity is much higher. So I think that there's there's two elements. There's the players that Ange inherited adapting to his, to his intensity. And then the fact that we're brought in four, I'm going to say four important players. I know that Idiguchi's not played much in January. And they, for me, are still adapting to Ange. So I don't think, well, I hope it's a one season problem. I hope it's a first-season problem and we don't have such a high average next season because then it's an issue. Then you start looking at what we're doing wrong as a football club. I think I take on board that about Ange and about players getting used to that and especially the the, the issue about um, 
the players coming from Japan uh, having had long seasons. The only thing that concerns me that I think is a more startling issue to me is the likes of Julian. James Forrest is another one. Mikey Johnson's another one. Um, even Kyogo going back to the Japanese players coming back too early from one injury. There's a few players there who I think even out with, assuming that they are not participating in full training because of their ongoing injuries, seem to have taken you know, a very, very long time when it looked like they were on the cusp of coming back to even get into match sharpness. Yakimakis is another one who yeah. came in in the pre-season and took essentially six months to get up to what we would call match sharpness. And and I just wonder, I wonder, is it something Ange knows is an issue and is working on in the background? Or is it something deeper lying, do you think? I think that's an interesting one about Yakimakis. Um, is it match sharpness or Ange sharpness that uh, he wasn't at? Because it definitely affected his early part of his Celtic career to the point that where he, he comes into the team, he doesn't look like the same player that he does now. Um, and you get comments like this quite regularly talking about we need him back. He was he was one of the massive issues at the weekend, his absence. Uh, no doubt about it. He roughs up that Rangers defence. Um, they don't like playing against them. We didn't have the same presence. But you're right, I think that uh, he's a great example of a player coming in and then you, you have the same kind of fear, I guess, Laura, that, right, okay, so the squad we've got the now, including the, the players that have come in in January, they might get up to the point where they're on the same level that Ange wants them to be at. But I still think there's a, a massive transfer window ahead. Now, it's not going to be as bad as Ange's first transfer window where I think it was 14 players out, 12 in. But you're probably talking half a dozen going out and maybe half a dozen coming in and then those players coming in have to get back up to you know this Ange match fitness uh, and the intensity so it's a slight concern but again I look back at where we were when he came in 10 months ago um, and if you're tinkering with the squad that he's got at the moment to improve it and I think Sunday there showed us that the second 11 that were sitting on the bench um, in most cases are nowhere near the first 11 which is a wee bit of concern um, then I think that We'll get off to more of a flyer. I mean, we were slow starters this season, Laura, and you know that was just because of the personnel. But yeah, it is a concern, but I won't be totally worried about it until next season if it continued. People have mentioned about it in the extra time period, didn't they? We didn't look as sharp as Rangers, and that was their second 120 minutes in a week. So yeah, we could run down that. I don't think I don't think Ange took too kindly to being asked that question. Um, how many semi-finals have you played in was his answer so thankfully I never asked it <laughs> yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be on I've, I've had the pleasure of asking Ange one question so far and uh, I wouldn't like to be on the end of uh, uh, his ire if he didn't like the question he was asked so I kept it very PG and very vanilla and I think complimented uh, Callum McGregor so uh, that went down alright um Talking about the injuries, talking about the history of players who've had injuries, one that we've mentioned there is Christopher Julian. Mm. Now, for anybody who didn't see it, he was involved in the Celtic B team during the week. Uh, some reports, I say reports, some uh, whispers that I heard from people that I know were at the game or, or were, were viewing the game suggested that his body language wasn't fantastic at being involved at that level which you can understand for a guy who should be one of our marquee players and marquee signings from when he did come into the club um, 
What's your thoughts on his future at the club? I think he made a cameo appearance. Was it against Wraith Rovers in the mm. in the League Cup uh, just before Christmas? And uh, or, or yeah, just must be before Christmas. And um, since then, not really a peak. Not involved on the bench an awful lot. Not coming on for any period of time. Sometimes being left out entirely. And now what some might call an insult to him of being put down into the B team when he really should be a first team squad player. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. What's your thoughts on his future at the club? Is there one there for him? Well, huge concerns. I mean, I remember um, a few seasons back, Marvin Comper started turning out for the the B team or the development team as it was, and he conducted himself like a professional. And that's what you would expect, right? And I think that he probably enjoyed playing football and he might have seen it as an opportunity because he's moved into coaching uh, to develop the, the players that are around about him. And I think every professional footballer should look upon it like that. You can't be this insubordinate that says, well, I'm not playing or I'm not performing because I'm above this level. He needs games. Mm-hmm. And there's no other way of getting him games. You know, other than the training, the only way of getting him a game is in that cup game. I mean, he can't play for the B squad in the the um, the fifth tier in the league games, but he could get a game in the cup game. And if that's true and he's not approached it properly, then I just go back on some of the Ange interviews this season whereby if people don't buy into it um, or people aren't focused, they won't be part of his team. And that's where I am. Uh, I think that the whole season really, uh, probably under the radar, the whole season has been affected by the injury because I don't even think we'd have brought in Cameron Carter-Vickers. I really don't. If Julian had developed and recuperated and recovered as the club expected him to. He was out for a lot longer than the club expected. And then when he's come back in the game against Wraith Rovers, you thought, great, he can play himself back into the squad. And he's never featured since. So it would be it would be terrible if that was the end of his Celtic career. Because he's, you know, as a player I know he's not everybody's favourite and I know also that absence with, with footballers. I remember a time where everybody was screaming for Derek Riordan to play for Gordon Strachan's team as if he was the, the next, uh, the second coming and he, he never ever was um, and he obviously didn't show it on the training park and I remember quite a, a wee while later Stephen McManus, the then club captain getting interviewed and being asked about Riordan's absence and you know the only excuse sketch where they would play anybody before Riordan. And he just he came out and said he had, he's got his chance every day to prove to the gaffer. And I always go back to that because these people who weren't on that bench at the weekend there, Laura, 
they've got to look at their, themselves as footballers. You've got Soro, Ajeti, Barkas, Liam Scales, Bolingoli, Julien. All professional footballers at a stage where they're no young boys, they're on massive wages. Some of them are on, I've uh, got a massive reputation, particularly if you're buying them for 7 million quid, 3 million plus on Bolingoli, 5 million on Barkas and Ajeti. And you, you ask yourself where the professional pride is with these guys. They're not even in the second team. Because the 11 players that were on the bench, that's your second team. There's your second picks. Mm-hmm. They're not even second picks at Celtic. So then you think you're, you're the th- you'd be playing in the third team if we had one, and we don't have a third team. So I think if that's the case, it's very disappointing. We've invested a lot of money in Julian, and we've invested a lot of patience and support during his injury. And what you want back is someone who's 100% dedicated. Um, if, for example, Carter Vickers doesn't make it or Starfield doesn't make it one week over the next five games, it will be very interesting to see who is on the park. Will it be Stephen Welsh? Potentially Beaton. I've heard maybe he's out for a few weeks. Hopefully we'll get an update on that because I think that will speak volumes if, if Julian's not involved. It will basically be an indication as to his future at Celtic. Yeah, I think you get to a point where, you know, I alluded to it when we were talking about the injury record and saying, you know, he's taken a long time to come back and is it to do with the injury situation at Celtic and our inability to handle it? That's speculation on my part because, like you say, it could all be, uh, you know, attitude-related. But like you say, and like Michael Quinn saying in the comments there on YouTube, Chris needs games and there's no reserves, so where else is he going to play but the B team? He might not like it. It might not be the glamour setting that he would imagine himself playing in, but, you know, games are games at the end of the day and we we need to get them where we can if we're not getting them in the first team. So... Interesting to see. Uh, certainly, if we can wrap things up or assure things in the next two games, like you said, there's maybe an opportunity for him to get a few games towards the very, very end of the season. But even then, it might it might be too late to turn things around for him. The thing is, um, I've mentioned Marvin Comper because at any opportunity, I will bring Marvin Comper into the discussion. <laughs> One of the most obscure Celtic players that I've ever had the experience of not only seeing play, but be in the company of with Kevin Graham where he was basically uh, getting selfies taken and he lapped it up uh, I don't know if Kevin did I don't think Kevin did but the <laughs> other example I would use I went to East End Park years ago because my mate played with Dunfermline he was coming through he played with the reserves and they were playing Rangers this night and I used to go because I think the games somebody might know better than me they, they were played midweek the league games and Rangers were playing Dunfermline at East End and that Rangers side included quite a few first-team players, and one of them was Peter Van Vossen, who will be remembered for his miss against Celtic. Yeah. But this is a guy who was a Dutch internationalist at this point, who's playing at East End Park on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night in front of a handful of fans. I mean, there was we were all in the main stand, and it was mainly the comps that were in. Nobody went to these games. And he ran his, his absolute heart out that night, um, you could you could hear the instructions he was giving the guys that were playing around about him, and I just think that if you're a professional footballer, once you cross that line, you shouldn't allow it to affect your performance or your attitude. Now, like you say, we've no evidence to suggest that Julian wasn't interested, but we do look at every single nuance. I think the proof will be in the pudding. If we need a centre half and he's not called upon, I think it's curtains. Yeah. 
Um, and I think the point you raised as well about the about Carter Vickers coming in, you know, we've essentially played with Carter Vickers and Starfelt with uh, Stephen Welsh and, and Beaton deputising where needed. So, you know, to say Carter Vickers wouldn't have been brought in if we had Julianne available, I don't think is an exaggeration because we'd have been operating with the same numbers of people. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. A fit and firing um, Christopher Julianne is an asset to any team, but you go down that road too far and you're... you're, you're bringing up the old Lee Griffiths argument of a fit Lee Griffiths scores goals and we all know how that ended for us so um, yeah I think we'll just need to wait and see what happens um, thanks everybody for watching, commenting uh, wherever you're watching, we're on Twitter Twitch, Facebook, YouTube we are live every Monday to Friday at 12.30 to 1.30 and then match coverage wherever we are playing um, and we will be doing again so this weekend uh, we'll have match coverage as usual um, Paul I wanted to get your thoughts we touched on it before uh, it's been a big talking point since the game last Sunday <coughs> and uh, especially since the uh, vote around VAR came in uh, 41 of the 42 SPFL uh, clubs voted in favour of VAR coming in Although it's not been confirmed, there are suggestions as to who the club might be voted otherwise. We'll let people speculate in the comments. Um, first of all, before we get into how it applies to last Sunday and how it applies to other games we could mention throughout the season, what's your general opinion on VAR and do you think it'll be a good thing for Scottish football? I think generally it is a good thing. I don't think Scottish football is ready for it. Because we don't have the standard. It's like any workforce. It's like looking at a failing workforce and saying, we'll just buy a supercomputer. But the people that are working there are incompetent. So in any walk of life, you know, in any industry, you've got to get the workforce up to scratch first. And I think ours is among the worst in European football at this moment in time. And by the way, yes, I focus on Celtic games. Like you say before, we cover every Celtic game. But from what I've seen, they're rubbish, even when Celtic are not involved, by the way. I think they really are poor. I've got my thoughts on Bobby Madden, um, because I think that Sunday was a, a bizarre performance by him against the uh, Rangers. Absolutely bizarre and really peculiar. And you thank all these creative people for doing the compilation videos and all that for you, because it really highlights how bad his performance was, to the point where I think you've come to your very closest um, Chris Sutton has come to his very closest to, to saying that it was beyond incompetence. But I agree with Chris Sutton. I think it's uh, a situation where the refs aren't good enough. And until the refs are good enough, it's a waste of money in Scottish football. Yeah, it, it really is. It's funny that you mentioned about the Bobby Madden situation because there's two that kept coming up every time I was on Twitter. One was the, the drop ball that he did for the injury to Stephen Welsh, who took a head knock. The, the whistle was blown in a... a for some reason, instead of giving us a free kick, made a drop ball. The other one was um, uh, we took a quick free kick and uh, floated it out wide to Jota and looked like we were on the move in the last like five minutes of the game or something like that. And he blew up for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because I, I was very much of the opinion that last Sunday regardless of Bobby Madden's performance, we didn't deserve to win the game. And I don't think we did. Um, but 
I think what you say is entirely correct and it fits in with my view of VAR, which is it's been around for, what, say, two years now, maybe a bit longer than that in most top flights. And I actually think the only time it started working well was at Euro 2020 last summer. It was the only time I felt like it was being used appropriately. It wasn't being overused. It wasn't standing in the way of the game being in a flow and it actually aided the referees rather than becoming a hindrance and I think that's going to be the main issue with VAR going forward, it's not about like you say the fact that video evidence will completely solve all issues in Scottish football as far as refereeing goes because if you have got a Ferrari but you've got somebody who can't drive behind the wheel then you're going to end up in a crash Yeah, it doesn't matter what car I drive I'm a rubbish driver so, you know what I mean? It's exactly it's exactly the same as that. And we need, if, if it's a professional game where people's livelihoods are at stake, we need professional refs. We need full-time refs. And I know that people have been saying that for years and years and we're, we're going to bring in VAR, but you know what? Chris Sutton said it and I agree with him. Uh, I think it's the wrong move. And of course, it's not going to be in place until next Christmas. Sorry, this Christmas. Um, so it's going to be introduced midway through a season as well. Um, the, the report recently that Rangers would be top of the league if we had VAR. Listen, the only reason that they'd be top of the league, it gives you more uh, opportunities to give them the wrong decisions because it gives you a wee bit of time to, to think and, and say, what else can we give them? No, it's Scottish football. Uh, the changes that are, that are needed, needed in Scottish football um, start with the refs. It starts with the the quality of the referees that we have. Yeah, I think that's entirely uh, entirely true. Um, you, you mentioned them earlier. Just this is something I just wanted to touch on because I think we need a bit of light-hearted discussion uh, around certain things. But Mark McGee was in the news this week. Ex-Celtic player, obviously, uh, has oft been uh, linked with the Celtic manager's job. Some some might call it a, a bullet dodge that he hasn't ended up at the club uh, when you see what's happening. Now, I, I briefly read this story. Something about him switching off his heating and not eating as some sort of preparation for this weekend's games. Mm. What, what is that <laughs> He's, he's at it, right? But I think Mark McGee has got previous for this. I remember he was doing well at Motherwell and he gave a, an interview. Look it up a few years ago and he said something along the lines that he could have been a Liverpool boss if, if because he, he flopped at the playoffs. He could have been the Liverpool boss. He does he does have a habit of coming out with ridiculous statements. A bit like Sam Allardyce. Yeah. Uh, well, every time I, I think of Aladdici, I think I'm drinking a pint of white wine. Remember that? <laughs> Insane. That's not how you drink wine, Sam. But the thing, the thing with Mark McGee is, I would say this straight, straight off the bat. My memories of Mark McGee is as a player, first and foremost, right? And I loved him at Celtic. I absolutely loved Mark McGee at Celtic, right? So in the centenary season, he was very important. Um, he was a bit of a super sub, to be honest. Very, very important. And you look at him, for example, in the semi-final against Hearts in the Scottish Cup, the final against Dundee United, coming off the bench and making a, an impact. And of course, he had been at Celtic at that point since 1985. So he'd been for a few years, he'd been at Celtic. He was signed by Davey. And I always find it pretty amusing. Everybody knows his best mate's Gordon Strachan, right? 
So Strachan and McGee, as players, uh, both both families socialised and all that kind of stuff, Laura. And Gordon Strachan got an opportunity to sign for Kaiserslautern. So him and, and McGee and their wives had met up for a meal and he was telling them about their plans. They're going to move to Germany and it would be great. It'd be a great move and all this kind of stuff. And McGee was like, well, that's interesting because I've been speaking. I think it might have been the same agent. Players were going for Scotland to Germany back then, weren't they? Murdo McLeod, Alan McInerney. And he says, well, I've got an opportunity to sign for Hamburg. So they had this, this chat over a meal about how great it would be for the two families to move to Germany. How great would that be? And we could, you know, we could learn the language together and the kids could go to school together and all this stuff, right? So McGee signs for Hamburg and Strachan pulled out the deal to sign for Kaiserslautern. So McGee <laughs> went to Germany thinking he'd be over there with his best mate and all this stuff. And he very quick, I think he lasted a couple of years, maybe a year, and he comes over to Celtic. So I, I loved him as a player. He's uh, he's he's got good memories for me, but and I th- and I think some of this stuff's a wee bit harsh with Mark McGee, right? I mean, for the it, it wasn't the choice that Dundee fans wanted, right? Um, they're looking at McPake, they're saying, you know, are we worse off? It's the whole Hibs thing. What if we just kept the gaffer in place? Would we be better off? Who knows? He didn't get off to the best start uh, by not knowing who the captain of the club was, um, and sometimes I think he's just at it. Gonna be honest with you, it's like every week. He's got something new. One week, he's uh, having a go at a fan for wanting a selfie, We kid. Next week, Charlie Mulgrew's digging him up. Just leave him be. He's in a he's in a relegation dogfight. He's one of these managers who's almost managed a thousand games. Mm-hmm. And there's there's not many managers done that in European football. So, you, you ask yourself, you know, maybe he's over the hill. Maybe his best days are behind him. He gave Robbie Keane his debut for Wolves. He's, his professional senior football debut. Um, was given by Mark McGee, so he, he was maybe a decent gaffer in his day. The, the other thing I'm just looking up is it just shows you the the, the innocence of ignorance. I've just looked up in Hamburg and Kaiserslautern are actually six hours apart by cars. Brilliant, aye. Moving to Germany together would aye. not be there. <laughs> we'll meet halfway for a bite once a week, aye, great. <laughs> Love it. Not been particularly fruitful. But they didn't have the internet back then, Laura. How would you find that kind of stuff out? Come on. <laughs> uh, interesting enough. Anyway, we'll get back to Celtic in a second. But one other uh, former Celtic I wanted to get your thoughts on because I have to say I was pretty devastated for him when I heard this. But Sean Maloney has obviously been sacked. Uh, there you go, Monty's on YouTube saying Mark McGee was a really good striker. I'm afraid to say Monty before my time, but um, but we will we'll leave it there because Paul said enough reminders about his age so far. Oh, um, I'm going I'm going to throw this one in as well. Did you know Mark McGee played for Celtic before he signed for Celtic? He played in a bounce game as a trialist and he scored, and that was before he signed for Morton way back. So oh, could it, yeah. It's been in mind of those Jeff Stelling jokes about a trialist getting about and uh, scoring goals everywhere, right? Yeah, he was one of those a trialists, and he obviously went on to be very successful at Aberdeen. But we could have had that player at Celtic; it wasn't to be. But I, I hope Mark McGee does well. Unfortunate, yeah. But moving on to, like I said, another former Celtic, uh, Sean Maloney has lost his his job at Hibs after only four months in charge. Now they. The owner of Hibs has been quite outspoken uh, uh, during the week about the reasons for Sean Maloney not uh, succeeding at Hibs and the reasons he was let go. And as a former Celtic player, I have followed his career quite closely since he left. Obviously, he was 
assistant manager to Roberto Martinez at Belgium. Uh, he was getting linked with some pretty high-profile jobs from the off and seemed very highly thought of. And I actually thought when Hibs got him that it was a real coup for them that they had got him. Obviously, yeah. uh, Hibs were enforced when he when he took over in December of last year. Uh, they unfortunately went down to seventh. There's an argument to say Jack Ross should never have been let go in the first place because he obviously got them to a League Cup final in fourth place before he was sacked. And uh, Sean Maloney took them down the table slightly, but did get them to a, a League Cup, a, a Scottish Cup semi final, I should say. I guess my question is. What's the future for Maloney? Do you think he's been harshly treated there? Do you see him having a future in management elsewhere? I think he has been harshly treated. Um, I remember he started his coaching career at Celtic, didn't he? He was coaching the 18s or something like that. He was in he was in the youth kind of setup, and I remember people saying he's so highly rated we should retain him in some capacity uh, back then. But obviously he went away and done his own thing. He knew Martinez from their time at Wigan, and. I just think there's an issue when you are coaching a certain calibre of player as Maloney did at Belgium and then you get... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with Cox Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Not, not only is it a different scenario when you go to club football, but you get a completely different standard of player at Hibs and you try to play the same way. You're always going to have an issue with that. Now, on the back of that, though, what I would say on the flip side of that is that he didn't get enough time to implement what he was trying to do. Four months isn't enough time for anybody. It, it just isn't. And it, it seemed a strange move because Hibs were not going to get relegated, were they? And you think to yourself, they've got nothing to play for this season. So the biggest the biggest uh, failure here is in the appointment. So you've got to you've got to look at those in charge at Hibs. It didn't work out for Maloney, but they've appointed them and then they've sacked them. And I think that the Jack Ross question is is there's a couple of hibbies um you know that far away from me the now and they talk about the, the Jack Ross scenario. And I'm I'm thinking about the Dermot Desmond comments about Neil Lennon. You know, at a club like Celtic, we like to give people a chance. We like to support them. And we were criticising Celtic for that on the one hand. But then on the other hand, we're saying, oh, they, they were too premature in sacking Jack Ross. Again, we don't know what else was happening behind the scenes between those in charge at Hibs and the gaffer. But Maloney, it will damage his reputation. There's no doubt about it. Because you are kind of like damaged goods. Your stock rises. You look at Malcolm Mackay, you know, in order to get back into management. And he's had to go to... 
Um, Ross County's done brilliantly there. I, I should, it, should say at this point that the reasons for Malky Mackay not being in management are slightly different to, to the damage John Maloney might suffer. But they were, they were. His <laughs> reputation was damaged in another way. And um, but again, how quickly, Laura? Because he's the guy that seems to be lined up for Hibs. How quickly do people forget that kind of thing in football? Yeah, which is yeah. another discussion. But yeah, Sean Maloney, you know, full of potential. Um, he had these kind of modern ideas, and but I'm sorry if, if I go back to it. If one, you know, your first job, you've got a calibre player that is ranked number one in the world, and then you go Easter Road. What you've got to do is you've got to work with the players you've got at your disposal. You kind of try and get them to completely change the way that they play and play out from the back and expect Porches to be the same kind of player that you were training when you were in Belgium. So I feel a bit sorry for him. Um, it's a test of his character now. It really is a test of his character. Yeah, I think it absolutely is. And I think, like you say, there's. I, I've never subscribed to this, you know, Pep Guardiola, oh, he's only a good manager because he's had good players. I do think you need to work with those players to get the best out of them um, but there also is a bit of a luxury in, in managing a player of that standard that they'll usually be able to do what you ask them and, and it's a different story if you come across a class of player who can't do exactly what you ask them and maybe that's where Sean Maloney struggled slightly but what I would say is uh, bringing it back to Celtic you know, if we had uh, taken a decision four months into Andrew's reign uh, we wouldn't be sitting in the position we are in right now but as as Stubbsy Horse says on YouTube, Maloney went from driving a Formula 1 car to a ladder. It was always going to take time for him. Pretty much the same analogy as we were talking about with the VAR earlier on, and I, I think that's true, but I, I, I'll i be interested to see where he goes, what he does. I still think there's a future for him. I think it's unfortunate what's happened at Hibs, but sometimes these things just happen and and it's not a good fit. But we, we wish him all the best, as I said. Um to bring it back to a close and bring it back to Celtic before we do finish up, um, we've got a game this weekend again. Uh, you've talked about some of the injury problems that we've had. We've talked about some of the selections that we do and don't have available. What's what's your thoughts on the weekend game? There's rumours now that Juranovic is out. Um, are you seeing a potential for a few changes in the lineup going into this weekend? I think so. Probably forced. Um, hopefully we get more information from Tony and everyone else who's at the presser this afternoon. Juranovic would be a huge loss. But the one thing about the right-back position is if we lose Juranovic, I'm confident in Ralston. If we lose Taylor, I've got no confidence in the backup. Mm-hmm. And if we lose a centre-half, I'm really worried as well. Now, who is your, who is your, your backup? in the centre-half position. It's Stephen Welsh, isn't it? I mean, he, he was the first one that we called upon. Beaton wasn't on the bench, so obviously there's an injury there. So Stephen Welsh would be your backup. Are you happy to play Stephen Welsh up at Dingwall? You know, that that's a big question. If Taylor's out, is it Scales that comes in? Well, it's no ball and golly because he's training himself in Belgium at the moment. So he's completely checked out and the club have checked out on him. And it goes back to that. There's certain areas of the park where I'm confident with the backups. I think if you drop Hitati, you can bring in an able replacement. If you drop your your number nine, we've got an able replacement. Um, On the right-hand side, I thought we had a couple of good options on the right-hand side, but Forrest hasn't really got up to speed yet. On the left-hand side, Jota and Maeda, I'm pretty confident with that. But the minute you start talking about goalkeeper, centre-half, left-back, I get worried. So if any of those three positions 
um, have got injury issues, then that's a concern. We won't. I don't think we'll change our shape, and I don't think we'll change our style. And I think we'll have enough uh, to to get the win against Ross County. And imagine again the momentum that would give us going into the Rangers game. Yeah, I think. Ross County is a funny one because I think, like we touched on earlier in the show, they, they're far from a pushover, and and we can sometimes find ourselves having difficulties against them. We had at least one game earlier in the season where it took a late goal to get the victory against them, and and it's it's you know going to be a good indication of where we're at mentally for the running. I think, especially and how we bounce back from the from the semi final. Um, uh, from the semi-final loss uh, speaking of the running and speaking of the, the choices available to us hopefully uh, your just Yakimakis will be one of those how important do you think he's going to be for the running given you know the rich vein of form he was on before he was unfortunately unavailable for us I think he'll be huge um, a big part of that is down to him and how he's been performing but also the fact that Hugo's not near ready uh, to come in and play or start a game. And I think that we saw that. We got 10 minutes from Kyogo, didn't we? And then we expected him to play the full extra time period. And he was ineffective during the, the 30 minutes extra time. That's not a dig at Kyogo, by the way. He's had two bad injuries this season, isn't he? And, he? and he was rushed back from the first one too quickly. So Yakimakis is massive. He's hugely important. And I just keep going back to the, the two games that... I wasn't convinced when Yakimakis was against Hearts and Alloway. Scored in both games. And I, I wasn't convinced with him. We then see him at uh, Celtic Park bossing the Rangers' back line. Not getting much of the ball, by the way. But what he was doing, he was stretching that back line. He was bossing, he was bullying. Um, he's a physical player, he wins free kicks. So when he's not on the ball, he's still effective for Celtic. We lacked that at the weekend there. I think we lacked it with Maeda and Jota. Anabada, and that was huge. That was a huge reason. Our final third was weak at the weekend. You bring in Jakimakis, and it, it gives everybody a lift, you know, because then you've got Jota and whoever's going to be playing on the other wing, and all they've got to do is get the ball in. I think there was a, a bit of a added responsibility responsibility for the players on the weekend to try and be the, the game changers or the match winners. And if you've got that that focal point in the middle and Yakimakis gives you that, it takes the pressure off your wingers as well. So he's massive and I, I dearly hope he's back. I love everything about the guy. I love his confidence. I, I wouldn't even say it was arrogant. I just love his confidence. He's got point a point to prove and uh, he could be the reason why we clinch this in two games rather than five. Yeah, I really hope that turns out to be the case. I do find it ironic, though, that Ange's uh, comments at the start of the season were plan B is plan A but better, and then actually Yakimakis provides us with an actual plan B. Uh, Michael Lee on YouTube saying Gigi doesn't stop, and I ho- certainly hope he doesn't, the same as the rest of the team uh, in the run into this to the end of this season. Just an interesting question there. I can't remember who brought it up because it, it flashed by me. Um Let's assume, and I can do assumptions, and I can do looking ahead. Jim's not in with it this week, and he doesn't like doing that. Um, one of the listeners, uh, or viewers, I should say, that I saw commenting uh, said something about where, where would this league rank for you in terms of uh, league victories if we were to actually secure the title? So I have to say for myself, I mean, I, I can't put a number on it, but I would certainly say it's among 
the most significant titles. It's probably up there, certainly in the top five of what I've seen, probably even higher. Nothing for me will top stopping Rangers doing the original, uh, supposed 10 in a row, the, the 98 season, because that was the first league title victory that I remember. But I mean, considering where we were this time last season, if you told me we were within touching distance of a league title, I would not have believed you. And for that reason, it's probably, you know, only second to the to the 98 league title for me. Yeah, that's up there. It's definitely up there with that. It's a strange scenario that Ange has walked into, isn't it? I mean, uh, a club who had enjoyed unprecedented success domestically, who fell off the edge of a cliff. And then... You know, some of the players were still there that were unhappy. We had to get rid of them. We had to get rid of the likes in Cham, who was a an unruly um, kind of presence in the, the dressing room. There was a lot to deal with. And I remember the conversation with Kev in the earlier part of the season where I thought, we can't fail. We can't fail because if we do, the circumstance will be that the, the financial element, the swing goes back to Ibrox. Uh, potentially saving their financial situation entirely. So there's a double-pronged success if you if you win the league. And I always think about the O'Neill, the first season that O'Neill came in, um, 21 points was the, the, the swing. Uh, Vim Janssen comes in, the importance there was it stopped to 10. Um, and Ange comes in and it's a 25-point swing. So it's up there with the, the Vim Janssen turnaround and it's up there with the Martin O'Neill turnaround. But um, what Janssen did, coming again from Japanese football, was completely unexpected. He was written off in the early days. There are loads and loads of comparisons that can be made with that season and this season. We win the League Cup, it galvanises the team. We did that this season. Um, it goes to the wire. looks like, you know, um, we're going into the last five games, certainly maybe the last three games, uh, before we know who's going to win the league. Um, the talismanic performances of certain individuals, the fact that Hearts won the Scottish Cup back in '98. Don't know if that's going to be relevant this season, but hopefully it is. Um, but yeah, it's up there with Janssen's season, and it's up there with O'Neill's debut season. Yeah, I, I would hundred percent say so. Um, listen, I just want to say thanks to everybody for watching. Thank you to my guest Paul John Dykes for joining me on the show today. Um, for anybody who is going to be there, there is a fundraiser at Celtic Park tonight at the Kerrydale Suite for um, for the a Willie Mealy statue in his hometown of Newry and um, back in Northern Ireland. Uh, we uh, were kindly invited along uh, by uh, the organisers and so Axom have a table where we're going to be contributing to and making a contribution for the funds that are being raised there. So if you happen to be going to that and see us there, make sure and come over, say hello. Um, Paul, I don't know if you'll be there, but I certainly will be. Um, I would have been. I would have been there with bells on. Um, but unfortunately, because there are a few things that's happened in the last week, I won't be able to attend. So I'm sure you and the troops will represent. So anybody that's there can come up and say hello to Laura and Natasha, Kev Graham. Or the familiar faces that uh, come on at twelve thirty every single day, but yes, I'll be there in spirit. Some of some of our fellow contributors, I will be meeting for the first time in the flesh. That's amazing! It's incredible, crazy, crazy, considering it's been well 
I started October 2020 on the podcast and have, don't even know if some of the fellow contributors have legs at this point. Uh, <laughs> this is it. You meet people and they're either massive or tiny and you're thinking, wow, you didn't look like that on the screen. <laughs> so, yes, there you go. Uh, but I have met you several times, Laura. Yes, that's true. That's true. We have and uh, many times more, hopefully. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you for the match coverage against Ross County at the weekend, where hopefully we get ourselves a step closer to the league title. Make sure to join us if you can. Paul, thanks for joining me. This has been a Celtic State of Mind. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.